This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. And welcome back to another exciting episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. I'm Joe Peterson, and with me, as always, my very good friend and co-host, Eric Goldbranson. Eric, how you doing? I'm here. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> good. Anything No, uh, I'm doing, doing pretty good. Um, not a lot. I, yeah, another another day in paradise, right? So. Um, got some snow here. We got to do the weather report. <laughs> got some snow here the other day. Did you guys get any in uh, northern Illinois? Very, very little. Like not even much stuck on the ground. So oh, you know, it okay. got it got cold and there was a little snow in the air, but that's about it. So Yeah, we just got like an inch. Yeah. But it's still kinda lingering there, but it's not bad. Yeah. Know. But still it was enough hey, to we're... realize people don't know how to drive. Right. After that first Well, it's halfway snowball. through December. I feel I feel like we're lucky already that it's Right. We haven't had a bunch of snow yet, so Yeah. Yeah. But you know, the yeah, kids so. wanted uh you know I know our kids are were excited because it, even Lisa, my ten year old, who's you know kind of going through that fun age of you know everything's just like you know whatever. She's kind of be that preteen, preteen, yeah, pre preteen. Like, oh, snow is so boring. Yeah, oh, uh, I hate winter. I hate yeah. everything right now because <laughs> I'm ten and I'm moody and it's COVID. No, she's you know a kid, so mm-hmm. right now. But even she was excited to see a little bit of snow on the ground. Of course. My son Oliver just was like snowman. We're gonna make a snowman. <laughs> right. So, I was like, it's not this is really the time enough. of year. It's the it's the three week period where snow is welcomed by everybody. Like, oh, before Christmas time, we want to have a white Christmas snow. It's so beautiful. Don't you just love it? Yeah. And the second the new year rolls by, and you're like, fucking snow, just melt and go away already. <laughs> and then yeah. It's there for like three more months. Like, it's usually by like early February that I'm going fuck this. I want to go someplace where you know what if you get snow it's maybe like two like you said two or three weeks and that's it. I don't want to because yeah. I'm tired of this like here's eight inches, here's a foot, here's another eight inches. That gets yeah. to be too much. Damn. Usually hits day. you right around that like late January early February you're like buried for four weeks. and Yeah. When I have yeah. to ask where the hell am I going to put this snow I'm sick of the snow. Yeah, and that well, is a legitimate problem. I don't know where. Hopefully, I'm the early it. signs that it's will be a warmer winter will. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So that's the video junkyard podcast weather report. In other news, my back hurts, <laughs> and those chicken wings were a bad choice. No. Um, <laughs> but no, it is. We're we're now getting full on into Christmas season. This is part two of our Christmas special, right? Yeah, getting festive here so. and last week we uh watched rare exports which was a pick from your end which is a relatively newer film yeah yep and if you and haven't checked that out yet go you know absolutely uh, not just our show out. but the movie itself it's a holiday treat for you go check that out and then if you feel so inclined go back and listen to the episode it was a fun one yeah and this week we went with something that's actually a little bit older even kind of going on to the later end of some of the video junk air podcast material uh so like yeah, early kind late of 70s early 80s yeah we kind of hit both of our extremes here like this is yeah. on the older side of what we usually do but yeah anyway and and speaking of things like you know everybody wants a white christmas but it, it's everything's about transitioning right like going from spring into winter when does that when do you really want the snow when do you don't uh, that kind of felt appropriate for this movie, and I don't feel like that's a reach. Uh, because, yeah. <laughs> because that's kind of the theme with this one is taking things too far, right? Yeah. And and just when do people find things acceptable and when they don't. Because we are actually talking about the 1980 film, Christmas Evil, a.k.a. Terror in Toyland, a.k.a. Better Watch Out. I told you he'd be happy that we remembered him. 
This Christmas, Santa's going to make everyone happy. The grown-ups. And the kids. Christmas Evil. The non-believers. Watch out! And the screamers. And this Christmas, you better believe in Santa, or he'll slay you. Merry Christmas, Frank. Christmas Evil, the night he dropped in. Yeah. Had you seen this one before? No, this was the first time for me. It's one, it's just kind of an iconic, I think it's the movie poster, but that, that's, you know, uh, Santa Claus, kind of classical looking illustration of Santa Claus uh, brandishing an axe and just kind of giving you this kind of creepy look um, is something that I remember seeing Oh, I don't even know. Years and years. This is not a movie I don't think was sitting in our video store in our No, you know, I don't think town. so. But um, definitely something that I'm familiar with. I don't remember the first time I saw this. Could have been, le- you know, leafing through some Fangoria magazines as a teenager, whatever. I, I'm not sure, but I know that this image and the, the title, Christmas Evil, is something that I've known of for a long time. And it's always been one like, ooh, I, I, I would be interested in seeing that movie. And that's... Um, that's as far as I ever got until uh, until you brought up watching it, and um, yeah. Well, to give everybody a quick synopsis of, we're going to go with the title "Christmas Evil" because that's what's most commonly described, at least here in the states. Christmas yeah. Evil um, stars Brandon Maggart and Jeffrey Demon and Diane Hull. Uh, Brandon uh, Maggart plays Harry Strandling. Sorry, Standling. Um, <clears throat> A toy factory worker, mentally scarred as a child upon learning that Santa Claus is not real, and suffers a nervous breakdown after being belittled at work and embarks on a Yuletide killing spree. And that does kind of sum it up. But there's, I've got some things about this one, and I'm sure, I know we've (laughs) talked about it before. Um, Yeah. We've mentioned this one, especially when we did our Silent Night, Deadly Night fucking five-part series. Four-part series, (laughs) something like that. Um where we talked about all of those Silent Night Deadly Night movies, and we even mentioned this a little bit the other night, and I'm sure at other times too, because this is kind of a weird one that I'd seen once or twice before. Um, but I think the mentally scarred as a child upon learning Santa Claus is not real. Not, I don't feel like that's totally accurate. No, I don't think so. I think there's something else going on in, in the movie that is... It's it's certainly um, when you start to learn about who Harry is as a character and as an adult, it becomes very obvious that he's got a lot of hang-ups about uh, I don't know, sex, sexuality is a big trigger for him, impure thoughts, whatever. He's got this very puritanical version of um, the world, and uh, I think it probably roots from that moment. But it's not. I don't think the Santa Claus is as much the issue, and, and maybe it is, but um, well, because that's. It, my thinking here is like the this IMDb description, which yes, it essentially describes the movie. But to say that he's just mentally scarred as a child upon learning Santa Claus is not real. That's I don't feel like that's totally accurate. What he observes, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say perhaps we should describe what is, what is actually going on in the movie. So the the movie opens up with a mom and her two young children sitting on the steps, peeking down the stairs on Christmas Eve as somebody dressed in Santa Claus coming down the chimney delivering presents and drinking the cookies and milk, you know, eating and drinking the cookies and milk and stuffing the stockings and then, like, looks at him and winks and then like, climbs oh, back up the chimney. there and you can see me. Right. Wink and, you know. and then the little kid, you know, the two boys are laying in bed and they're talking about what they just observed and what they saw. And the one kid's saying, no, that was Dad dressed up in a Santa Claus suit. And the other brother, Harry, says, no, it wasn't. He was real. And he goes down to look again and sees... Mommy's not kissing Santa Claus. Santa Claus is kissing Mommy down there. (laughs) Yeah. Under the mistletoe, literally. (laughs) And and that is what scars him for life. And I just... I brought this up before 
when we discussed Silent Night, Deadly Night, because Silent Night, Deadly Night, like, you know, Ricky's trauma is pretty intense. All, both boys is yeah. pretty, not just Ricky. Both that of them pretty intense. beats the hell out of those kids. Like yeah, that. it's like, oh, you've got psychotic grandfather and mother is raped and murdered and then abusive nuns and, you know, trauma, 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 yeah. trauma, trauma. In this one, it's I saw mom and dad being cute. You know? And, <laughs> I mean, really? Right. And I think... And that's the way, like, we I had read about it, and that's the way you kind of described it to us the other day when we were talking about I think uh, you and I and Ryan off of air were having a conversation yeah. about the movie. And, um, and, what, and I think the first five minutes when you just watch that scene out of context, that's exactly what it seems like is going on. But I think what I was trying to get at is once you get to know Harry as an adult, you see that he's got this, like, totally fictionalized worldview and this he's living in this kind of world where you know santa claus or the idea of santa claus is something that's very real even well into his adulthood so i think that crossing over like his coming to the realization that you know there there's something very wrong here so there's two possibilities for my child you know my mind as an eight-year-old child or whatever he is to take in and that is either one and santa claus is not real and dad just put on that whole charade for us um or two, you know, mom's getting it on with Santa Claus. So there's this two, like, um, and also, like, I, I think Harry's very hung up about um, essentially anything that steps out of sight. He's got this very, like, good list, bad list, naughty and nice kind of thing. But oh um, yeah, multiple That's times weird. in the film he becomes uncomfortable with anything even slightly sexual. Is um, So, I mean, there's that as well, I think, that's... that's rooting from that I, moment but I, I think it's I, less I, yep. about the sex and less about the you know um the two of them as you know as, as mom and dad you know witnessing an adult act it's more about the shattering of all of these childhood illusions like the innocence the mom and dad thing and also the santa claus and the yeah all that stuff at once so yeah, it, I, it plays a little better yep. than i think i imagined it played I, and i have to admit the first time i saw this I didn't really know what I was seeing. I Again, I had mm. read something about this movie in Fangoria, but didn't pay much attention to it. Uh, and then when I saw this movie randomly a couple years ago, I was like, oh, I have heard, I've read about this. But again, no real connection. And I found the movie really off-putting. And, and I do want to divert for a second as to sure. why. And that's, there's, I mean, so we just explained the first few minutes of the movie, and then it cuts to like 33 years later, and Harry's a grown man. He sleeps in a Santa Claus suit. He has he plays Christmas music all the time. He he frolics and dances around his apartment, which is covered with toys and Santa Clauses. He's year like obsessed. around Christmas decorations. Yeah. Yes, he has Christmas decorations up all year, and that freaked me out. And I'm not saying like I saw this as a kid. I'm talking maybe five years ago, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. "Fuck this!" Because point of conversation for a moment. I find year-round Christmas stores to be creepy as shit. Yeah. You've mentioned this before as kind of a phobia. I have. Thank you. It, and it's, you know what? It's not even a phobia. I even put something on Facebook today because I wanted to like, am I the only one who feels this way? And a friend of mine commented wonderfully. Uh, her name's Mary Kay Mace. She commented, they give me angst. And yes, that's the right word. <laughs> it's this off. It's like, this isn't right. It's July. Yeah. It. I don't need Santa Claus in July. No. You know, it's just off. Um, right. And I mean, so I agree. I agree. I don't know if I go to the point where I like I find it creepy necessarily, but I agree with the, with your sentiment that yes, that is very. It's strange. I don't understand the the fixation or fascination. But apparently, there's a lot of Harrys out there, which is kind of scary as well. It, it is, and I think that's what it is. Any kind of infatuation, but in this case, an infatuation of something that's kind of like superficially overly jolly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sincerity, if that's even a thing, you know what I mean, like. This is that Ned Flanders, relax, everybody, let the smiles, let, let the hooks do their work and forcing you to smile, <laughs> you know, it's just that kind of, it, so this one made me, it off, it put me off right away. Yeah. And I recommended that we watch it for other part because it's a really batshit movie and rewatching it, I have to say, I see exactly what you're talking about. I actually have a bunch of notes like, this is better than I remember it being a few years ago because I'm giving it a chance. <laughs> Um, yeah, but the that dancing around, that frolicking around, is really, really cre- creep the shit out of me. And I think it's because people like Harry freak me out, yeah. like those Christmas well, stories. And 
I, I made notes, very similar notes, and um, that he's just it, the, the first few minutes of the film, like like post flashback, right? So or post like childhood trauma, we come meet adult Harry. We, the first thing we get is the Christmas obsession, um, and and yes, it's played very well, and it, it it's it, it's done very well in the film because it's off putting, and it in a very brief period of time you get this picture that something's not right with this guy. He's not just like. Mr. Christmas, like that everybody knows that's just, you know, happy and having a good time this time of year. There's something like seriously off. And we just saw him have this issue as a child with Santa Claus. And now he's surrounded himself and is kind of living inside of it. And then the next thing we see Harry doing, I believe it's the very next thing, is him pulling out his good and bad kids list. He keeps books full of uh, names of neighborhood children and, um, you know, whether they're naughty or nice, and then actually going out uh, and peering in their windows yeah. and uh, like watching the neighborhood stalking children. Stalking kids and keeping like, tabs yeah. on them. And I like, want... right away I'm like, okay, this movie is totally different than what I expected going in. And a little of this was based on your original, like, yeah. uh, kind yeah. of reaction to it. But totally different than what I expected, and right away just gave me the creeps. But in like a seriously well put together way, like I, I'm really creeped out by this guy right away. Um, but also the creepiest thing that they do with this movie, as the as it goes on, and you see how Harry is just kind of like pushed around and downtrodden by everybody in his life, he becomes this kind of sympathetic jester of a character. Um, not that you ever don't find him creepy or malcontent, but in a crazy way, this creep that's spying, Santa says creep that's spying on children becomes the hero of this narrative as time yeah, goes on. Yeah, it's, it's, it, <laughs> it goes back and forth a lot because he does just straight up murder people that don't deserve it, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I mean, questionable, but yeah, that's an over, the, you know, axing people is definitely an overreaction. Well, but. yeah, like, so, so Harry's <laughs> been recently promoted from working on the line building toys, really crappy toys, at like Jolly Time Toy Factory. Mm-hmm. Uh, now he's like a shift manager or something. And he's kind of rubbing elbows a bit with the, the upper echelon, like the CEOs and so on. And he's learning about their way of running the company, which is all smoke and mirrors and profit while everybody else yeah. works. And so you've got like the, the lower level, and I mean just like on, on the tiers of, of management, you know, you've got the factory workers on the floor and they're abusing Harry. They take advantage of him, right? That's his like big inspiration. That's his snapping point is he kind of gets suckered into doing somebody's shift. And that, that seemed a little strange to me. Like, okay, so he saw Santa going down on Mom, and it fucked with his head, and now he sleeps in a Santa Claus suit. But he has a job, and he got promoted. So he's right. functional, right? Somewhat, yeah. And he, he just does has... He does constantly, like, harass everybody about how the toys they make suck and how they can yeah. do better for the kids. He's and, like, the weird this, so. guy, you know. Right. Look, in five years, he's going to be the guy still saying the election was fucking rigged. Um, now, you know, um, he's, he's a weirdo, but he's functional. He's doing his own shit. He's got weird ass hobbies that, that definitely cross the border of, of, uh, you know, acceptability. Well, I mean, definitely the spying on children and keeping tabs of their behavior. Yeah. And that really crosses punishing the and harassing the bad kid in the neighborhood. And also the, the super creepiest thing i suppose is him actually being a bit of a voyeur watching his brother and his brother's wife uh have sex in through their windows um i, I actually got i noticed something like... that I, I, I that was up there and i noticed something that i think actually might top that not to make it competitive but um right. okay he, you know like he's like when he's spying on the kids and he's like oh this one boy you know Moss, whatever his name is, he's really a bad kid. Moss Garcia, yeah. Moss Garcia. And then there's like the little blonde girl that he's like, she's such a darling. Yeah. He's got a picture of her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like a school picture. How the fuck did he get, you know, a five by eight school picture? Oh, that guy? I mean, he probably walked into their house and got it. <laughs> no shit. That kind That's of a guy. That's creepy yeah. as hell. And so, like, right away, like, this is the this is all within the first twenty minutes while they're really painting this character, and this film does a very good job. It's a pretty dense character study, actually. I was really impressed by it, especially coming off of the, <laughs> the way you set it up. Yeah. But um, it's honestly a bit of a like what I one of my notes I wrote down was this is like kind of like Yuletide taxi driver because. Yeah, that's kind of the setup you're getting is you know that Harry's going to snap. Harry's a guy that's doing a lot of weird stuff and Harry's a guy that's you 
can tell just has a lot of, um, you know, personality. He def- certainly has personality disorders, but issues that he's not dealing with in a, in a healthy way. Like he's dressing up like Santa and he's, you know, keeping these lists and he's watching kids and he's got this really, really rigid, crazy moral um, definite or moral worldview. This, you know, good li- basically good and evil, good list, bad list. And um, he... But yeah, it's kind of like watching Travis Bickle, a tra- taxi driver. It's just that that gen that you know, things keep snowballing, and you know eventually Harry's going to snap, and that's. Uh, I I guess another way of wording it is to the younger audience that might potentially someday be listening to this episode. It's like the Joaquin Phoenix movie Joker, but with Santa no, Claus. Yeah, there you go. I mean, that was also Taxi Driver, but exactly it was San- <laughs> it was Taxi Driver and clown makeup. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, it really was. <laughs> I also want to mention. That I had to do a, a triple take, Jeffrey Demun. Yeah, in this yeah. as as his brother, as as Harry's brother, um, and this is a very young Jeffrey Demun, looking a bit svelte and ripped. I gotta, yeah, like, I was I, impressed. I honestly didn't recognize it. It was one of those things where I went, I know that guy. Like he looks so familiar to me. Like who who is this guy? And then. I just went and looked at the cast list, and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, I do know that guy. <laughs> but just, I just I see him in everything where he's older, like, right? Yeah. He was yep. in, like, Shawshank Redemption and The Mist yeah. and Green Mile and Everything Frank Darabont, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a common, he's the guy in every Frank Darabont movie. That's yeah. not William yeah. Sadler. And his character, <laughs> yeah, in first season, he didn't make it past the first season of Walking Dead, I don't think, but... Oh God! Anyway, now I feel yeah, bad because I can't remember his character's name. But but yeah. I liked him. I remember he was the guy him. with the RV on Walking Dead in the first season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, he. I I just didn't know him at this age, but he was so familiar. And then yeah, I figured it out. But so yeah, um, yeah. So Harry's adults adult behaviors. You're right. He harasses his coworkers about the quality of the toys they make. Um, you know, I really shouldn't say though that it's it's th- at one point there's a coworker that comes up to Harry and kind of suckers him into covering a shift for him, and that's when Harry really starts to snap. But I really shouldn't say that that's when he really goes over the edge. It's that, and then when he also finds out about how the factory is promising to give a bunch of toys to a local children's hospital, mm-hmm. um, uh, mental hospital, and they're really just doing it as a publicity stunt. They're not really going to do much and they're actually going to put more pressure on the workers. Yeah. And it's a really shitty deal. They're donating some stuff, but it's not substantial. He's concerned because it's, it's not anywhere near enough for all the kids. Like it's not right. going to cover the kids at the hospital. So, and they defend it by saying but they're giving themselves yeah. this big proverbial pat on the back for how great of a company they are. Right. And, and so they, you know, he that's really I think what starts to push him over the edge the most yeah. is, you know. And and he really starts to like I don't know, he becomes a psycho Santa. As, as much as Silent Night Deadly Night is like it's the psycho Santa movie. No, this really is. This one is, yeah, for sure. This is this isn't just a guy who's obsessed with like who's traumatized by Christmas. This is a guy who's literally like Santa or die kind of thing. Yeah. This guy is acting out a Christmas fantasy. Like, this is the Santa Claus myth, or at least his demented version of it, um, come to life. Like, this, you know, like you said, the, the, like, you know, slasher Santa or axe murder Santa from Silent Night, Deadly Night um, is not quite the same thing. That's a traumatized, basically a, a PTSD story, you know, for better or worse. Um, this is not that at all. This is somebody who's actually got a very firm grasp on what they believe the Santa myth is all about and is acting it out. Um, because, and I guess the, the the fascinating thing about this is, you know, he axes people to death in the street. He uh, does all this creepy stuff with the, you know, spying on kids and, and such. But at the same time, he also robs the toy factory and drops all the stuff off at the children's hospital and gives them this giant donation so everybody's, you know, happy and thrilled with him. He uh, is constantly surrounding himself with children who he's very kind to and gives presents and whatever, although he uses them as uh, a shield at one point in the movie. (laughs) Um, But so he's very much the Santa Claus character. Yeah, a demented version of it because you're seeing it through somebody, you know, um, 
this character of Harry who's very very damaged and his his just perception of reality is off. He's become Santa Claus in such a way that, but he's he is he's doing the good. He's he's re- playing that I'm rewarding the good and I'm punishing the bad thing much more than, you know, what's his name? Uh, it's not uh, it's not Ricky. Ricky's the guy in part two, but mm-hmm. um, who's the brother in uh, the first Silent Night movie? Um, anyway uh, uh, I'm gonna jump on it here in just like one second <laughs> I think we even said it at the top of the episode anyway but like he's you know his moralization Billy. is like Sorry. Billy that's right Billy. Yeah. his whole moralization is you know you hack people up and yell naughty at people that are doing things that are yeah, it's not as well like this is very well thought out like it's um, this is a person you know becoming a demented Santa Claus in the most literal sense they're adapting the entire myth and the way we understand Santa into like their behavior pattern and the way they oh shit but you know i i yeah it it is and i think what's really interesting about this too you mentioned this is well thought out and it is beyond even that um i i I agree i'm just to add to that you know so this came out this was made in like 79 finally Mm -hmm. came out in 80 I mean, it's funny. You look at you look it up online. It lists everything from 79, 80, 81 for its release date. It's all kind of. Around. I think all that's true, according to Lewis Jackson, the the director. It yeah. it kind of like played on and off, and like Forty Second Street, like uh, uh, grindhouse type uh, theaters, down you know with all the like um, you know skin flicks and uh, yeah. blue movies, and and Forty Second Street was known for that kind of stuff, and then like uh, grindhouse and cult cinema was kind of born there with the kind of stuff that would only play there. Um, I don't think he ever he was he was certainly not overjoyed that that was the reputation that this film got um, but yeah I think it did it came out at many different times and never got a big national distribution until later yeah and so you think about it, this is late 70s early 80s you think about what's going on in America at that time that's that's the beginning of a recession Mm-hmm. Early '80s was really when that you know you had the the '70s stagnation and then going into the '80s a bit early '80s a recession. Um, so what is you know knowing that this is being written in that time, and the way they're kind of portraying it, what does this say about Christmas in American society in the late '70s early '80s? This this guy who's obsessed with Yuletide cheer and giving, and charity yeah. essentially it's charity. And I don't think the I'm reading into that of Christmas. Yeah, yeah, like to to give to others, and you know he's doing it in the embodiment of this this Santa Claus thing. But notice the way he he focuses on his own company, as yep. no, you need to be doing more, and your charity isn't enough. And uh, you know he starts making toys for kids, and it's it's a bit militant, obviously very militant, and psychotic. But you know, think about what it claims about. You know what 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 Christmas claims to be about versus the greed that we're seeing at the time. What does this say about what do you think about mental illness? Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on that? Well, I think it's interesting that um, I mean, yeah, I, I actually didn't think historically about like you know what's going on in the world at large when this was written, but I think that's a good and interesting insight into at least its its major commentary on Christmas consumerism. Um, and those are the things that are is interesting about the Harry character because I think there are certainly points where, you know, as creepy as he is, you can find. And this is kind of why the movie I think works so well and is so unsettling, is because you can find him relatable. And in a way, he like I think we we talked about earlier, but in a way, he becomes the hero of this film. He is punishing people that are kind of, you know, not the greatest people in the world. Now is, you know, um, you know, slaughtering people in the street with an axe is that a is that a decent or a um, equal punishment for to the crime they've committed probably you know not this is this is certainly a psychotic person but um it's interesting because there there is uh you you can relate to some of those things he he at points is an empathetic character and i think you could argue overall if you take if you look at it as the a film about mental illness um is an empathetic character throughout but he I think to get to like the second part of that, um, yeah, I got a my train train of thought just totally derailed. But um, what was this? What was the second part of your? Question? Oh, just like what do you think so, this is about? Like 
what this says about mental... Uh, this says some stuff about mental illness, too, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I was getting there. But the... Um, yeah, and I think the way that he is treated as... And I want to I name drop this while I'm thinking of it, and then I'll kind of jump into what I was going to say. But the... Um, I happen to have a book on <laughs> called Yuletide Terror, Christmas Horror on Film and Television. And since it had a big uh, a couple of chapters on Christmas Evil, I decided to pick, take it out and read it because I had some actual time to do so, which is rare in my life. <laughs> but um, the book is edited by uh, Paul Carrup and uh, Kirla Janis. And um, it it's a, it's a really cool book if you can ever get, it, get your hands on it. Uh, lots of stuff on a lot of the Christmas horror movies, including the one we watched last week, Rare Exports. But um, they focus on the one article um, in this book. I keep hitting my microphone tonight. I'm sorry, everybody, about that. Um, the I should have it marked. I don't have it marked. But uh, they focus a lot on the kind of what they call the fool killer aspects of Harry, and that being... Um, kind of a a jester or a simple type character who is kind of taken advantage of and ordered you know bossed around and downtrodden by kind of everybody in his world from his you know brother to his employers um and essentially tortured and at point you know comes to this point where he eventually snaps they set this as a distinction um from the actual like slasher movie that is um either one um a supernatural being come back from the grave driven by revenge or uh two in the case of like something like silent night deadly night somebody that's you know so massively traumatized that they um they lose touch with the reality in that way and it just react violently that harry is actually um kind of a third type of character um that that in this article they they dub a fool killer and that is uh somebody who who it's, it's just kind of um it is a, it is a, it's sort of revenge but is um somebody who is kind of like getting their comeuppances or has just finally had enough and snapped and lashes back out at the world uh-huh. and i think that kind of hits it on the head of what type of you know character or what type of what type of crazy santa harry really ends up being here and in a way um I think gets closer to being the epitome of Santa Claus <laughs> in a lot of ways. Like he actually achieves that because of his kind of a mad obsession with the character. But yeah, and I think you know the more I think about it, the and I, I like that description from that that book. And uh, we'll include a link on uh, the posting here for the show as well with for the link to that book. Um, that the the kind of the you know the fool aspect you know like you're right he's mocked by and kind of looked down upon as a screw up by everybody um again to make the parallel the taxi driver um you know the De Niro's character Travis Bickle he he hangs out with another cab driver wizard played by Peter Boyle he hangs out with um uh Sybil Shepherd you know Betsy and all the, then they all kind of look down on him and humor him in a way, or tolerate him. But also, especially with the other cab drivers kind of looking down on him, in this case it's his co-workers. You know, even though he's now their manager, they still kind of mock him and take advantage of him. His brother, you're right, is, you know, has to be convinced by his wife to reach out and so on. Um, and that's really an interesting focus for something that's not just, you know, I, I think this one deserves a little more credit than what it gets for, for what it does. Uh, yeah, I think um, Lewis Jackson says over and over, and that's um, it. Just it, get, get my citations here yeah. um, properly, but the uh, the two the two chapters in this book on on Christmas Evil is Christmas Evil and the Cultural Myth of the Fool Killer, and that's an essay by essay by Florent Crystal. And the second part is an interview with Lewis Jackson uh, conducted by Amanda Reyes called You Better Watch Out, A Talk with Christmas Evil's Lewis Jackson. And Lewis Jackson says over and over in this thing that he was kind of like appalled by. Uh, well, well, it worked to his advantage um, that everybody thought he was going to be making a slasher movie. Um, this was just coming off the you know massive success of Halloween and all of the like imposter kind of holiday themed slasher films that... 
um, were born just, you know, on the tails of that giant success of Halloween. But he is a person, um, Lewis Jackson doesn't pull any punches about his thoughts about movies like that. He, he does not like them at all and did not see this movie, um, You Better Watch Out, which is what his script was called, as being one of those at all. However, he was aware that he could kind of let people think that and could probably get some money to make it and that worked out to his advantage however it killed it in the distribution because it was advertised like it was a slasher movie and certainly is not uh really no it's and i i I, yeah this was even even when i first read about it it was like it's a christmas slasher and it's really not yeah um And you mentioned earlier, you know, kind of towards the top of the episode about some of the shots in this and how it's, you know, from a more of a technical perspective, this movie. Um, This does do this. It includes some of these weird things that were not uncommon in the late 70s, early 80s of movies with like weird jump cuts. You know, Mm -hmm. like in the beginning, you've got the mom and the kids sitting on the steps looking at Santa. And then all of a sudden it's like a quick cut and they vanished. Yeah, that was a really weird and, <laughs> jump cut. You just don't see that real often anymore. <laughs> you don't anymore, and I'm really glad because they're never <laughs> convincing and they're really stupid. And this one does a few of them in the beginning, um, which does give it a bit of a dreamlike memory flashback. I guess at least it's it's designated to the beginning in the flashback, essentially, or the the you know the the preface of the movie, the preamble, or whatever you want to call it. Um, mm-hmm. but then again, there are some really impressive shots in this. Also in the beginning, the last shot or one of the end shots of that flashback when, after he witnesses the thing that's apparently going to traumatize this delicate snowflake of a kid, um, he goes up in the attic mm-hmm. and there's a snow globe up there and he, uh, you know, sees it and goes ahead and you know, breaks it and cuts himself on it. But the his entrance shot of that is really quite impressive. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting... Um, I noticed this, it had this in common with Silent Night, Deadly Night as well, but it, it hovers on a lot of the, um, like, the Christmassy, like, decorations and stuff in the backgrounds, and um, especially in Harry's apartment, but it does that kind of in other places too. And it gets a lot of its Christmassy feel just from doing that kind of stuff. Cause uh, I, other than that, it doesn't, I mean, obviously he's dressed up like Santa Claus, but other than that, it doesn't have a whole lot of like Christmassy stuff to it. Um, but yeah, I, through, through those kind of moments, I didn't, I think that that scene you're talking about is probably the most kind of visually striking I'm not sure that Lewis Jackson as a director has a um, a ton of other like really really visually striking moments, but um, there's there's that's one not other to one say that that really stood out for me, and and I actually others have commented on this one as well. Um, but towards the the last act of the movie, when he's being chased by the mob and he's oh, in his yeah. brother's neighborhood, his brother uh, Phil. Phil's, which is Robert DeMont, his neighborhood is lined, like the streets lined with glowing reindeer. Oh, yeah, right. And that, that I've seen that described as almost something out of a Spielberg movie, and I can totally see where they're getting that. It's just mm-hmm. this kind of runway, almost lined with this, you know, glowing Christmas decorations. And that yeah. becomes kind of important at the end as he's in his van uh-huh. being chased by the angry mob, which, to be honest, too, the the angry mob is one of the more comedic points of this movie. This does have yeah. some dark, humorous moments to it. Yeah, um, we haven't gotten to the point. Yeah, this this movie actually has some some humor to it. Like it, yeah. it certainly serves as a black, dark comedy in ways as well. Which is which I think you may, if you hadn't seen Christmas Evil prior to listening to us talk about this, may come as a surprise at this point because of the way we've talked about it so far. But yeah, there certainly are. It's it's like right out of a you know James Whale's Frankenstein movie, uh, this this you know mob of people with their torches. And, it's uh, pretty funny at first. Yeah, it gets a little like oh shit intense later, but the first time when it's him running, you know, the Santa Claus. Yeah, you see him like spark up the torch and like yeah, they running go full from on mob with torches, full on angry villagers. You know, yeah. There there's also a scene with 
a lineup at the police station of a bunch of different Santas. Oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> that is a pretty funny scene. I don't want to give people the impression that you're going to be laughing all the way through this. If you do, it'll be, like, uncomfortable laughter. But right. there are some some amusing moments in this one um, that I think make it worthwhile. Uh, I, I do have one other quick question for you, though. Mm-hmm. As, as a parent, and I'm a, a parent as well, of course, um, what is this kind of... I wanted to talk about the Santa Claus myth as a parent. Okay, yeah. So, um, let me just put it this way. Younger viewers, major spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> yeah, if anyone's out there... Yeah. Younger um, listeners, whose children are before. listening. Yeah, viewers. Yeah. Uh, why did I say that? <laughs> uh, yeah, younger viewers, listeners, whatever. Yeah, spoiler alert. Hey, doesn't this kind of in a little bit of, of a way want, want to make you go, you know what, let's just forego that whole thing. Because I don't want you to get fucked up. <laughs> you know, I've always had a little bit of guilt about it. Always, like, my kids are going to be four tomorrow, so I guess it's not that long. But because I was a kid that was, and I don't know if I was overly sensitive or whatever, but, like, I was a kid that was a little bit damaged by learning this this horrible truth that there was no such thing. Um and not in a, like, hairy way, in the, you know, from this movie, but, like, I remember being really upset about this, and it ruined Christmas for a couple years for me, and then eventually I got over it. Uh, you know, kind of embraced the whole thing and went, whatever, you know. And then, you know, then when you grow up, you start to see it. You, you have, like, younger cousins at first, and you see kids um, go yeah. through it. And then, then when you have your own kids, you, I think you finally, like, it finally clicks to you, like, what the joy is about about Christmas, and, and I'm t- saying this from a totally, like, I'm a total essentially not essentially i mean not a religious person so christmas doesn't really have that like religious significance to me um but you start to see kind of like what it is about the holiday and kind of all the like you know more secular um yeah traditions and stuff that is that is because i i think i was a christmas hater for a long time and i think having kids i think we talked about this on our christmas episode last year but having kids kind of brought me back into the fold and i can I'm not as much of a Scrooge as I once once was, but but yeah, like this yeah this movie kind of has that kind of takes me back to that moment of you know finding out and feeling that like betrayal like how you know why would you lie about that like why would you why would you make all that up because it's so serious when you're a kid um, and like seeing the damage it does to this character uh, did it make me actually like second guess like should i you know be doing this whole the whole santa claus thing with my kids not really cuz i don't know it's just it's a lot of fun and kids just have a blast with it but it is uh, and, and i i i bring it up because i i know a couple of people that are very have very strong opinions about it on the no don't go there and it's not for yeah. religious reasons it's for like why would you lie to your kids and it's like because I mean, I it's there's fun <laughs> you yeah. know it's fun for everybody for a few years and you're right, though. You do go through that. I think the in-between, the finding out the truth, and a couple years after that, into until I was around little kids around Christmas. My, my nephew, uh, PJ, when he was a little kid uh, and, and still mm-hmm. into the whole thing, I, I live, remember, you'll remember, I lived very close to my sister when we were in college, like about an hour yeah. away. And so I'd spend a lot of Christmases with her and got to do the whole santa thing you know at night and it was a lot of fun to see the excitement in the morning from another kid i think that softened me to it again like you're talking about yeah um so i i see why people do it again but then there's that middle zone where you're like this is all fucking stupid this is nothing but capitalism and corporate greed and you know it's it's i and lying to your children i don't know i think there's a middle ground that, and you know for the people that don't celebrate that way with your kid I, that's no judgment at all that's fine that's cool it this yeah. is just a fun thing and it's it's okay if you do it it's just fun it's just for fun oh, yeah well everyone has their own family traditions or whatever they're gonna do like i'm not yeah. i'm not gonna encroach either way on on what you do you know what anybody does with their family and um but yeah, I, I found it to be fun, and I think I was one of those people at one time where I was like, I, if I ever have kids, I'll never lie to them like that, and then, you know, the, now I find myself doing it, you know, talking yeah. about Santa every day, so I think you grow up a little bit, and 
again, this is not to offend anybody that's made that decision not to do the Santa thing, but I think you grow up a little bit and you kind of this you realize that the seriousness of it is kind of like very small and it's yeah and it's you know it's just it's something that we do for fun kids kids are kids don't get enough credit kids play pretend all the time kids were pretending things um and yeah i i think i think as long as you could frame it in that way when eventually that day comes um we'll see (laughs) you know what too that's my goal at least is that that, you know that's what it is it's playing pretend and that's what and I think that's okay. I mean, and again, everybody's different. So I don't want to be like one experience reflects all. But for me, right. I was a I was a big wanna wanna believer, right? I wanted to believe. Um, I was the Fox Mulder whose whose sister was never kidnapped by aliens. I really <laughs> wanted to believe all of this shit. I wanted to believe in ghosts. I wanted to believe in Santa. I wanted to believe in you oh, know yeah, me too. everything. And I think this was the first like. Okay, well, think about it, Joey, right? <laughs> of course it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And I I actually attribute this with one of my first big moments towards, like, logical thinking. Yeah. Is, okay, you've been told something, now you're told something totally different, and here's the evidence. And you go, oh, yeah, that does make a lot of sense. So, I don't know, that was my experience. It may not be everybody's, but I don't think there's any harm in doing it because it it depends on the kid, right? I mean, there might be yeah, some parents out there who tried this out and their kids just don't give a shit, and so they give up on it. And that's cool, too. It, it's just, I this one was a fun one uh, when I was a little kid. There was something kind of fun and magical about it. And then you kind of see the, you know, Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Well, he's there, though. And you get to see it when you're later in life with other people's kids who celebrate this. And it was kind of fun. So I don't think it's okay to go all, you know, hairy like this movie on him. But (laughs) there is a a fun to a myth. It's a fun to myth. Mythology can be fun if you play with it. Yeah, agreed. And, And to bring it back to the movie, I think, I do think this movie... If you if you take it kind of on its surface level, it seems like you know the finding out that there's no Santa Claus is the thing that you know traumatizes Harry and makes him into this thing. But I mean, think about all the other stuff. Like get a realistic like understanding of like mental illness and how a person you know is affected by things in their childhood. There's there's got to be a lot of unseen shit going on in Harry's house other than yeah. just the Santa incident. Uh, that is that has turned him into this person. Well, what do you say? Um, like Harry's so, probably like forty three in this movie. Yeah, okay. I would say so because he's about ten in the beginning, and it's supposed to be like thirty some years later, thirty three years mm-hmm. later or something. Um, where are his parents? Don't know. They never comment on. Must it. have passed away very early because it's just him and his brother for holidays. Yeah. So. Or yeah. maybe they don't have a relationship with him because of who knows. I mean, maybe there's a whole lot of other trauma there. I don't know. But dad left the family and found some, you know, he had like two families in another part of the country and he used to like commute and shit and nobody ever knew. Look, I put <laughs> way too much thought on this as I commonly do. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> who knows? <laughs> right. Uh, it, 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 yeah, there's definitely more there. And I don't know. If you think about this one too much, there's a bit of a flaw there. If you think of oh, it, sure, it's if, not. Perfect. If you don't think of this one at all, you're kind of missing some stuff, though. Yeah. Um, and I also wanted to bring up uh, the ending. Uh huh. Yeah. What the fuck is up with the <laughs> ending of this? He he's he's in his van. He's being chased by the angry mob, literally with flaming torches and pitchforks and guns. And he goes mm. over a bridge, almost runs his brother over, but he doesn't. He goes oh off a bridge. And his van flies into the sky <laughs> to all a good night. Yeah. His van with a sleigh painted on the outside right. of it. Yep. Um, I actually enjoyed the ending, and I was surprised by it, which is cool. And then it's very ambiguous. I mean, not really, because I don't think anybody watching this movie believes that Harry really flew away in his van. Um but it shows you that that at that moment, as he's you know whatever's happening, he's plummeting to his death essentially. Um, 
his fantasy, his Santa Claus fantasy has totally taken over. Like he has lost all touch with reality. So he is, you know, he's on, you know, on Donner, on Blitzen, on whatever. And uh, Rudolph has taken him up into the sky and away back to the North Pole instead of plummeting in his van off of a bridge, either into water or a roadway below. I'm not sure which. But um, I like that about it because it's just like, I don't know, it's it's it it's tragic in a way because it shows that, the, the you know, the fantasy totally overtakes Harry, but it, it, it already was from the second he, he used the spirit gum to glue the beard onto his face. I think the fantasy had taken over. It was it was that was it for him. Um, but yeah, no, I, I kind of like it because it was I didn't see it coming. The rest of the movie is pretty straightforward. And I think that does throw some people for a loop. I know it's not a popular ending, um, but I don't know. I, 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 I would be hard pressed to see anybody that and maybe there are people out there, but those people probably aren't watching Christmas Evil to start with, that would take this li- this ending to literally. Like, be like, well, how the fuck did the van fly away? I don't get it. But Yeah. Like, <laughs> so. Well, do you have any final thoughts or other things you wanted to bring up about this one? Well, I just did want to point out, and I just kind of brought it up, but a, but a, a favorite moment of mine, and this we've compared it a bunch of times to Taxi Driver, and I think that's a... a valid comparison it has a it has a lot of similarities um in the way it it's its main character kind of digresses throughout the movie and kind of falls into a it, it kind of is taken over by their their psychoses but um the the bit when he glues the beard on his face is one of my favorite moments and one of the creepiest moments i think in it as well um because he, he, you know, he's very being very meticulous and spirit gumming his kind of jawline and, and starts to glue this beard, big white Santa Claus beard on his face. And once the, the, the spirit gum or the glue kind of sets on his face, he just, no, no dialogue in the scene at all. He's, he's giving the, the beard some tugs, you know, like it's stuck to his face. And the like joy and like demented laughter that just comes over his face and like, I, I feel like that's the moment when it, that's the moment where there's no going back for Harry and it's very well done and it's done without dialogue. It's just this really great performance in this moment of him just kind of like pulling on that beard like, you know, it's real, it's real and kind of laughing at himself and this jo- weird demented joy that kind of fills him up. And uh, I think that's the moment like I really realized that like, oh, this movie's actually this is better stuff than your average like slasher movie like this. There's there's a lot going on here that um mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's got those moments. If you're looking for the horror moments, they're there for sure. But I think it's a little more of a character piece than it is a, you know, quote unquote horror movie. But um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. There, there there's a another scene that I I know what you mean. The one that's stuck in my mind is when he steals all the toys from the factory that he works at, and he takes them to that children's hospital to make sure every kid gets a toy because that was his big complaint mm-hmm. and while he's waiting for them to come collect them he starts practicing his santa claus ho 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 oh yeah and <laughs> he just keeps working at it until he th- to me that was when he fully Im- like let himself go and embraced being santa claus and he just, it's that belly laugh mm-hmm. that he perfects it's a, a a really kind of a shocking scene of something so pleasant it's it's weird yeah. off-putting this movie's very off fucking putting um, it is because it's all these things that should be like jolly christmas moments you know he's bringing the 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 toys to the sick kids kind of thing but you just because you know harry you've seen behind the scenes um yeah it is off-putting because you know how like how deluded this person is and that uh Although they, you know, they're doing this good deed, um, they have this really like dementedly rigid <laughs> moral thing. You, you know, you misstep with him, and he's going to hit you with an axe. So yeah. And I do want to mention one thing that I know I've probably mentioned at another time. I've mentioned this movie on the podcast is that our our lead actor here playing Harry Brandon Maggart is actually the father of pop singer star. Uh, pop singer, singer start Fiona Apple. Yeah, <laughs> that's the probably the weird. Well, another weird piece of trivia with this movie, but yeah, kind of kind of crazy. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of actually. Yeah, same here. It yeah. Shows our '90s 
roots. <laughs> it's like Fiona Apple. Yeah, I have an opinion. You know. Well, while we're getting in those last bits of um, like scenes that just gave gave me the creeps about this movie because there's a lot of them mm-hmm. so there's a lot of good effective stuff in here what about the scene when he he is standing out of mas garcia's house and uh covers himself in mud yeah and uh leaves a weird like print of his muddy face and hands on the side of the house and then scares the kid from behind oh well he's still covered in mud from, from, in, behind bu- the from in the bushes yeah yeah Kind of crazy, um, and I supposedly Lewis Jackson, and now I know this because I read an interview with him, but Lewis Jackson was uh, big time into, like, the duality of the original Santa Claus myth and the, like, Black Peter or Santa mm-hmm. Claus kind of creature, and that was what he was going for with that, the, you know, the punishing of the of the bad kids, but that was one that was just kind of effectively, and once I saw what he was doing, because the whole time you're like, what the fuck's he doing? Like, what's... Uh, and once you got like what is he doing it's like oh that's what he's doing oh that's even creepier like it's you know like, and th- okay. that that actually brings up one other like thought that i had i i see what you mean um commonly on this show when we mention a, a movie that's a bit older and a bit dated which this one is in, as far as it's you know style and fashions um mm. would this one work being remade today and i think in this one totally yeah, uh, I think it totally would thematically. Like, I'm afraid on the heels of something like Joker, because there are so many similarities there, um, you might get some some people commenting that it would it's derivative of that, but obviously Joker's derivative of, you know, Taxi Driver, Taxi Driver this movie, you know, these things that were made before it, um, doesn't make it not an unworthy piece of art or anything. But yeah, I think there's a lot, lot to do here that this, this could be a really interesting movie if it was approached the same way but i have a bad feeling like anybody who would remake christmas evil at this point would probably lose everything interesting about it and focus on the killer santa aspect more than you know the slasher stuff more than right. anything right right that would be the way not to go <laughs> right yeah um otherwise i want to invite any of our listeners to comment hopefully you've watched christmas evil on one of the very let's see where did you watch this one I watched this on Vudu. Um, Vudu has a free service. So Vudu is like, you know, you can buy and rent mm-hmm. movies through mm-hmm. Vudu. But they also have a bunch of stuff on there for free. It's ad-supported, like a lot of the... Um, so, yeah, check it out on Vudu Free. I also believe it's on... Oh, what was the other thing it was on? Um, maybe Roku TV? I know it's also on Shutter. Yeah. If anybody is a on subscriber Shutter. to yeah. Shutter, that's where I watched it. Okay. Um, so it's available yeah, Vo- out Vo- there for free for yeah and that's a free service um not everything on it's free but there is free content and this movie is on there right now and if anybody is interested please check that out and let us know your opinions because we have our own opinions on this one and eric if you had to give this one a grade what do you think this one i'm i was really pleasantly surprised but i Part of that is is not to like you know point the finger at you, but part no, of that fine. was due to like the uh, you know introduction you gave this. And it, I so my I think my expectations were um, set a little bit lower, but uh, it's so much better than what I expected. And even by its reputation, because I you know we we watch si- all the Silent Night, Deadly Night movies. I thought I knew what I was getting into with kind of a sleazy old Forty Second Street Christmas horror movie. And no, it, it's it's much better than what you think you're getting into with that. It's it's smart. It's uh, disturbing as hell. Um, it's actually funny in places, which is interesting. Um, I think it's just so much more than a slasher movie, and that helps it. I think poor marketing and all this stuff kind of gave us a, a gave us a different impression of what we were getting into with this movie, and perhaps ruined your first uh, viewing of it. Um, but yeah, no, I was really impressed with it. It's uh, this may become, and I'm going to you know, put it in a different category than I really, really liked uh, Rare Exports as well. I'm going to put this in a little bit different category than that. But this may become my favorite, like, quote-unquote, killer Santa movie that I've seen. And even above Silent Night, Deadly Night, which I like, but for different reasons. Um, I think I'm going to give this one a B. I think I think it was not perfect, but it was. it's a good watch. It's, yeah. You know, I, I, uh, my first viewing of this one, as I mentioned before, was kind of by accident, and then later realized I had read something about this one in Fangoria years before. I think I even still have the issue. If I was motivated, I'd find it, but I'm not. <laughs> um, and it, 
I was off put by the whole this guy's obsessed with Christmas. And oh, one thing I forgot to mention too, he's when he's when he's really into his thing, he describes how he's judging people in the creepiest way possible. He he's like, "I'm on I I understand your tune. I can sing your tune, but you can't <laughs> sing my tune, but I hear yeah. your tune." It's fucking weird and creepy. Mm-hmm. And it's really effective. Um I think this one required a second viewing for me because the first time I was so creeped out by it, it put me off. Yeah. But knowing what I was going into this time, which hopefully anybody listening who's thinking about getting this movie, know what you're getting into. Um, yeah. You can see it for what it is. And I I came out of that second viewing going, oh, no shit. I actually was picking up what they're putting down. and I'm actually going to give this one a B-. minus. Yeah, and I think when I recommended it, it was probably down to like a D plus. But the, but rewatching this one, um, which it's why I, I've never said this before, but I'm going to start saying it on the show now. Give every movie two two watches. I think you have to. Yeah, I do. I do know revisiting things uh, because we have so many expectations, especially nowadays, especially in, in mainstream movies. Yeah. We are marketed to so much for everything that you know comes out, especially as young people. I find as I get older, I see less and less about it. But as young people, we're marketed to for movies big time, um, and so it's hard. You have expectations set. Those trailers and all that, you know, all the all the press junkets and all the interviews and you know morning news magazine shows doing interviews and all, all the just being saturated with these big movies. Then so you can't help but have a bunch of expectations for it. Um, so yeah, I think um, I don't know if I go with you on watch every movie twice because there are certain there are certainly some that I'm not sure I'm ever going to go back to. But I don't know. I, <laughs> I would be willing but, to but say I think there are some that hurt. It certainly benefit. From I, I would be willing to say, and maybe this is a discussion to have more thoroughly off the air sometime. But I would go go so far as to say any movie that I've reviewed on this show that I have seen more than once. I bet if I took the time to go back and review those and, and like look at that data, like how did I grade a movie and how many times had I seen it? Yeah. I bet there's a I bet there's a relationship there. Hmm. Um, you know, for example, like like Repo the Genetic Opera. Watched it once. Didn't care for it. Would I have a different opinion the second time if if forced to actually sit down and watch that one again? I don't know. See, I feel like that one might be one that, well, I don't know, because you, you seem to have an aversion to pretty much every element of that movie. So, but like that might be one that, yeah, you could you could dive back into because there are there are people that love the you could find maybe find some of those things that people do love about it. You know, but yeah, maybe I I, I don't know. Um, you know, maybe maybe there are maybe there aren't, but. Uh, this one, I would say, personally for me, it took two viewings to really kind of see what the movie is for itself. And, yeah, I, I, I'm on board, I think, with this one. Yeah. But we would like to invite anybody who has watched Christmas Evil, Better Watch Out, or Terror in Toyland. I don't care what you called the film. Have you seen this one? Go ahead and watch it on Shudder, Vudu, or any streaming service you can find. Don't care if you pirate it. We're not profiting. And let us know what you think. You can tell us your opinions at videojunkyardpodcast at gmail.com if you're into the whole email thing. You can send us a tweet at videojunkpod on Twitter or find us on Facebook at the Video Junkyard Podcast group or our main Video Junkyard Podcast page. You write it, we'll read it. Love to hear any of your questions, comments, criticisms, or witticisms. Uh, Anything you know we got coming down the pipeline after our holiday special? Yeah, and actually, I think we're going to keep this um, having a good Christmas, uh, good holiday season. So I think I'm going to just keep this train rolling on past uh, Christmas and into the new year. But we're going to watch another holiday film, kind of picked by accident here. But I'm uh, going to check out the 2003 um, horror film Dead End, which I remember only being tangentially related to Christmas. But it gets on those Christmas lists anyway. So something I saw years back that I um, have a vague memory of really liking that I can't even really remember what it was basically about, but saw it on Tubi and it ended up on our list. So that's what we're going to do for uh, next week. And then following that, we are going to have take a look at the Stuart Gordon sci-fi classic with a question mark, Robot Jocks. So cool. that'll be coming up following Dead End. And I did want to remind you guys, now that I you know have 
have it together and all in front of me, but the uh, book I was referencing is Yuletide Terror Christmas Horror on Film and Television. It is uh, published by Spectacular Optical, which is a small press out of Canada, and their website uh, www.spectacularoptical.ca uh, if you want to check out where to get a copy of that book. Um, something that I actually was one of the only times I've done a Kickstarter campaign. I saw a thing about the this book coming out and I bought it before it was even published. So um, it's, it's interesting and it's a cool book. A lot of essays on uh, all Christmas-based horror films. So also, if you do happen to have an interest in something totally unrelated to anything we're talking about, and that is the sci-fi television program, Doctor Who, I am uh, <laughs> also doing a sister podcast of this show called the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast that I always forget to plug. So if that sounds like it's up your alley, you're probably already seeing it if you subscribe to our um, channel. Uh, it does come out monthly at this point. And um, so if that's something you're into, please check that out. We'd love to have you on that as well so hey absolutely and we want to thank you for checking out the video junkyard podcast we also hope if again if that's your thing check out the uh sister podcast police box in the junkyard and once again please feel free to share around let everybody know what kind of good time you had here in the video junkyard podcast and until next time this is joe peterson i'm eric O'Branson. have a good evening and happy holidays. I really must go now. But now, I want you to remember to stay good boys and girls. Respect your mothers and fathers and do what they tell you. Obey your teachers and learn a whole lot. Now, if you do this, I'll make sure you get good presents from me every year. <laughs> but if you're bad boys and girls, your name goes in the bad boys and girls book. And I'll bring you something horrible. You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go. Go. Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. On Twitter at Video Junk Pod, and on Instagram as Video Junkyard Podcast, all one word. Want to thank you again for listening and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the Video Junkyard?